You're listening to Comedy Central. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. It is Thursday, August 20th, and here's your quarantine tip of the day. If you want to go hang out with friends outside because it's safer, but now it's also too hot, then here's an easy fix. Just stuff a frozen turkey in your shirt. Yeah, it'll keep you cool, and people will think you're pregnant and offer you their seats. That's what I did. And then I was like, here you go, ma'am. And then there was a dude with a turkey. And I was like, what the hell? Anyway, we're friends now. Anyway, yesterday was day three of the Democratic National Convention, and it was filled with heavy hitters. Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, and that dude who married Michelle Obama. What was that guy's name again? So let's do this, people. Let's catch up on all the highlights. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world. The Daily Social Distancing Show presents the Democratic National Convention, electing America's first black president's friend. Night three of the Democratic National Convention was focused on women. Women fighting for their rights, women pushing for change, and women who don't want to say they told you so, but... They told you so. We also heard from Elizabeth Warren, who delivered a speech from inside a school about the Biden policies that would help families and working mothers. Now, if you paid attention, you would have noticed that she also left a little Easter egg for people in the background with letter blocks spelling out B-L-M, which if you think about it, is the perfect Rorschach test. Because if you're woke, it stands for Black Lives Matter. If you're conservative, it means Blue Lives Matter. And in my mind, it means Beyonce loves me. Oh my God, Beyonce loves me. I knew it, I knew it. Now, this wasn't just women's night because it had a lot of women speaking. It was women's night because it highlighted the countless obstacles and challenges that women have been fighting against for years. From reproductive rights to gun violence to domestic abuse, which Biden himself helped tackle with the Violence Against Women Act. It was a powerful and moving tribute to women across America that brought many people to tears. Now, as usual, there's always one guy who's always trying to crash girls' nights. But I don't think anyone minded when it turned out to be this guy. I did hope, for the sake of our country, that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously. That he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. But he never did. For close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work. No interest in finding common ground. No interest in using the awesome power of his office to help anyone but himself and his friends. No interest in treating the presidency as anything but one more reality show that he can use to get the attention he craves. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. Wow, President Obama. I think you're being a little harsh here. The man's only been in office for three years and seven months. Give the dude some time to warm up. But this speech wasn't just brutal. It was straight to the point. Not even being mean about it. Like Obama was just laying out why President Trump has failed in a real and honest way. And I know he's too classy for this, but I think Obama would make a great Yelper. Uh, Vincenzo's quality Italian has no interest in making a decent meatball sub. Uh, They won't ever grow into your fave calzone joint. 
because they can. So, from Obama to Trump's former cabinet members to Trump's own niece, everyone except Trump's tailor says this guy hasn't grown at all. And although there were moments of hopefulness in the speech, the overall feeling was that America was on the brink of death. And this was the last chance to save it. Like, it didn't feel like the usual things are gonna get better Obama speech. It felt more like a funeral for democracy. Basically, four years of Trump took Obama from, uh, yes, we can, to uh, let us pray. So, after everyone else had their turn, it was time for the big finale. The official nomination of vice presidential candidate Kamala Devi Harris. And although Kamala kicked off the night from what looked like backstage at a U2 concert, she finally got her grand moment at the end of the show. Greetings, America. That I am here tonight is a testament to the dedication of generations before me. Women and men who believed so fiercely in the promise of equality, liberty, and justice for all. I have fought for children and survivors of sexual assault. I fought against transnational criminal organizations. I took on the biggest banks and helped take down one of the biggest for-profit colleges. I know a predator when I see one. My mother taught me that service to others gives life purpose and meaning. She probably could have never imagined that I would be standing before you now and speaking these words. I accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States of America. Wow. I don't care what you say, man. That was one hell of a moment. The first black woman to be a vice presidential nominee. Also, is it just me, or does Kamala have like a really big living room? And I thought Kamala gave a good speech. But my favorite line of all was when she said, I know a predator when I see one. It made me wish that she would catch a predator, Donald Trump. You know, like he shows up at an arena expecting a rally, but it's just Kamala inside with a camera crew. She throws his tweets on the table and is like, did you write these messages? And then he starts to run away, but then remembers he can't run. And what I love about that line is that it really shows you how bad Trump is. She didn't even need to say his name. And we were all sitting at home like, "Mm mm-hmm, we know which predator she's talking about. I mean, except for Trump. I bet he was sitting watching at home like, I can spot a predator too. I already aced that test. Lion, tiger, cheetah, cobra, and the biggest predator of all, Robert Mueller. Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but when we return, another Trump associate may be headed to prison. Stay tuned to find out who. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. While Democrats gathered around their laptop cameras for their big convention, the rest of the world continued doing its thing. So let's catch up on today's non-convention stories. Let's begin with mosquitoes, AKA bedbugs with sky miles. For decades, people have been trying to eradicate the disease carrying insects. And now Florida thinks it's found the thing that can take mosquitoes down once and for all. 750 million genetically engineered mosquitoes have been approved for release in the Florida Keys. The experiment is designed to test if a genetically modified mosquito is a viable alternative to spraying insecticides to control the species of mosquito that carries several deadly diseases like Zika, Dengue, Chikungunya, and Yellow Fever. The mosquito has been altered to produce female offspring that die well before hatching and spread diseases. Yes. 
scientists in Florida are releasing 750 million genetically engineered mosquitoes designed to gradually kill off all mosquitoes. And in any other year, I would be excited by this news, but in 2020, why would you take the chance? They're gonna let those mosquitoes loose, and then in a couple weeks, the scientists are gonna come out like, so there's good news and bad news. And I also don't think they should be doing this experiment in Florida, just by the way. Because if something goes wrong and people start acting crazy, how would we know, huh? The mosquitoes bit that guy, and now he's trying to have sex with an alligator. What? Oh, he was doing that last week? Oh, oh, okay. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we shouldn't try to get rid of mosquitoes, because I hate them, right? I hate mosquitoes. I hate getting bitten by them, I hate getting irritated by them. But the one thing I will miss is when they fly next to your ear at night, because I always felt like I was getting a private L Green concert. <laughs> so anyway, congratulations on this groundbreaking genetic experiment with nature and preemptive congratulations to Will Smith and his dog for getting to inherit the earth in a few months. But let's move on from one blood-sucking parasite to another. Steve Bannon, Donald Trump's former chief strategist and guy selling fake tickets outside the Billy Joel concerts. Bannon left the White House in 2017, but he has remained popular in MAGA land. And one thing he's used that popularity for is raising money to help Trump build his beautiful, perfect border wall. Well, at least that's what he said the money was for. But it turns out, maybe not. Breaking news this hour. The former chief strategist to the president has been arrested. Federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York have indicted Steve Bannon for what they say is his role in defrauding hundreds of thousands of Americans in connection with an online crowdfunding campaign known as the We Build the Wall. The allegation essentially is that Steve Bannon marketed this scheme, this Build the Wall scheme, collected donations from hundreds of thousands of donors under the false pretense that this money is going to go to build a southern border wall. Instead, what Steve Bannon and the other defendants allegedly did was pocket that money, use it to pay for lavish lifestyles. Bannon apparently was arrested while on a 150-foot yacht off the coast of Westbrook, Connecticut. He was arrested by uh, investigators with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Center District of New York, and also with investigators with the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. That's the arm of the Postal Service that conducts financial investigations. I can't believe this. Another Trump guy has been arrested? After the Aryan Brotherhood and Latin Kings, the largest prison gang in America might be the former Trump campaign officials. And everything about the story is insane. First of all, Bannon was arrested on a 150-foot yacht, and I know everyone is innocent until proven guilty, but I mean, let's be real. Anyone arrested on a yacht, I mean, you're guilty. Also, they said Bannon was arrested by investigators from the post office. I don't know if it's just me, but I didn't even know the post office had police. Where were those guys when my neighbor took my Amazon package? I can hear you using the vacuum! That's my vacuum! But the best part of the story is why Bannon was arrested, right? He's accused of stealing money from people who thought they were donating to build Donald Trump's wall. Because you know, you wouldn't want any criminals sneaking into the country. And I'm honestly curious to see how this plays out. Because the people who got ripped off now hate Steve Bannon, right? But they obviously really love Donald Trump. But Trump loves Steve Bannon. So I feel like this whole thing's gonna end with Trump getting those people to donate for Bannon's defense fund. But then Trump steals the money and moves to Mexico, which he can get to easily because there's no wall. In other news, 
For all those people who were worried that the baseball season wouldn't be as exciting this year without the fans shouting offensive things, well, good news. The announcers are picking up the slack. A baseball broadcaster is removed mid-game for using a homophobic slur. Cincinnati Reds announcer Tom Brenneman was in the top of the seventh inning when his hot mic picked up this anti-gay slur. Take a listen. Fag capitals of the world. Brenneman, coming back from a commercial break, seemingly unaware he was on the air, started plugging a Reds pregame show. Reds Live, the pregame show presented by Ray St. Clair Roofing. The play-by-play announcer later apologizing. I made a comment earlier tonight that um, I guess uh, went out over the air that I am deeply ashamed of. Pausing mid-apology to call a home run. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. Damn. Okay. First of all, who stops in the middle of an apology to call a home run? My man, an apology is like an orgasm. If you interrupt it, the whole thing is ruined. And this Brenneman guy is right. He may never be putting on that headset ever again. And I don't know what else he's gonna do. I mean, there aren't exactly a lot of jobs out there where people just explain things that are currently happening. I mean, maybe he could work in couples counseling? He's withholding his affection from her. He's not letting her in and she's out of there. But I guess this means that there's a baseball announcer job opening and uh, I would like to throw my hat in the ring. In fact, I'm gonna give you a few lines for my audition. He's out. He's safe. Whoa, Nelly, it's out of there. Oh no, there's a lion on the field. Somebody stop it. Oh no, the lion is coming right at the announcer box. Ah! Tell my wife I love her. I hope you'll consider my application. Our final story is about Netflix. The reason you don't have to buy airline tickets to watch British people bake things. If you're one of those people who can never decide what to watch on Netflix, first of all, just watch my special again. And second, you're about to get some help. Well, Netflix just made it easier for indecisive viewers like myself to pick something to watch. The streaming service is testing a new shuffle play feature. I wish they would have done this a long time ago. Shuffle play will pick content based on your viewing history or playlist. But the new feature actually goes a step further. It plays the selection. And if you don't like what you see, you can just skip ahead to the next title. Netflix has done it again. Do you know how much of my life I've lost trying to pick a show? Because everything on Netflix is both interesting and not interesting enough. It's like if the Democratic presidential candidates were TV shows. And you know, this whole choosing for you is a great idea. In fact, other apps should also do this, like Tinder. Yeah, you busy on that thing the whole time. They should just be like, enough swiping. You're going on a date with Larry. Yeah, I know he's a birthday clown, but he's a nice guy. All right, we have to take a quick break. Stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with former Democratic presidential candidate, Senator Bernie Sanders. We talked about what Joe Biden needs to do to galvanize support among progressives and much more. Senator Bernie Sanders, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. (laughs) Great to be with you, Trevor. Um, Let's jump straight into it. I was drawn to this quote that I'm gonna read um, where you were talking about the Democrats and the coalition. And you said, I understand we do not agree with Joe Biden on all of the issues, Believe me, I know that. I ran against Joe Biden. And then you went on to say, but at this moment, what we need to do is engage in coalition politics with the goal of defeating Donald Trump. 
It's an interesting, interesting way that you phrased um, that statement. Tell me why it's important for you to say that to people who may support you. Uh, Donald Trump, in my view, uh, is the most dangerous president in the history of this country. Uh, it's not just that he's a pathological liar, which he is. Uh, it's not just that he has rejected science, which, as you know, has resulted in the death of so many people in this country from the pandemic. Uh, it's not just that he's a racist or a sexist, a homophobe or a xenophobe. Donald Trump is working actively to undermine American democracy. So what you're seeing now is what I would call a united front of people who have many different points of view. You have some honest conservatives who are saying, you know what? I'm a conservative, but we got to get rid of this guy because he is just not what America is supposed to be about. And you're working with progressives. So this is what coalition politics is about, is to say we have differences of opinion. I disagree with Joe on some issues. You know, I certainly agree with John, disagree with John Kasich on many issues. But we're going to come together to defeat Trump. And the day after Biden is elected, we're going to have a serious debate about the future of this country. But it'll be done within the framework of a democratic society. You've always been somebody who says, I understand the pain of those who have lost their jobs, whose jobs have gone overseas, who, who have seen their pay not rise at the level that it should. Uh, they've seen a diminishing quality of life to the point where there are some people who voted for Trump because whether they liked him or not was almost irrelevant. They said, this man is speaking to me. And they said, well, Bernie Sanders sort of speaks to me as well. So then with that said, how do you think you would talk to a voter who didn't vote for Trump or rather voted for Obama, then voted for Trump and says, you know what, Bernie, I just want a better life. How would you speak to them to try to get them to change their votes? Trevor, that, that is a great question. And there are millions of those people. Uh, and what I would say is I understand where you're coming from. I understand your disappointment in many respects with the Democratic Party, all right, who have not delivered the goods for you, whose policies in many areas have not been significant in terms of protecting working people. I got that. And you're right. Okay. But then what I would say is you believed in Trump when he told you he was going to stand for the working families. He is a fraud and a liar, and you got to see that. He told you that he would drain the swamp, and yet he has appointed more billionaires to his administration than any president in history. He told you he would provide health care to everybody. Remember that, Trevor? Health care to everybody. He is trying today, continuing his efforts, to throw 32 million people off the health care that they have. He said he would protect Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Take a look at his budgets. Massive cuts to Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security. Trump is a liar. He will say and do anything to get elected. But he is not to be believed. And I think if you look at his record, that becomes clear. Let's talk a little bit about your favorite subject, billionaires. Um... There is no denying that during this pandemic, although many millions of people have been suffering, some of the richest people in the world have seen their net worths increase 200, 300, 400%. You have not been afraid to say that this needs to be reined in. You have not been afraid to go after the billionaires. How do you communicate with people or how do you say to somebody, 
hey, if you become a billionaire, we're gonna tax you more. Because I'm sure you've encountered some of those people where they say, well, Bernie, I mean, you know, God bless Jeff Bezos. He made a lot of money and he deserves all the money that he gets. Do, do you think you, you're reshaping the American dream or do you think people have to re-understand what the American dream is? Well, Trevor, I, I think a couple of points. First of all, I think when you say to the average American that we got three people who now own more wealth than the bottom half of America, top 1% uh, is earning 45% of all new income, and the effective tax rate that billionaires pay, the real tax rate, is less than what a working class person pays, people say, you know, that's crap, that's wrong. So I think there is a lot of sympathy to say to the very richest people in this country, you are doing, as you've indicated, phenomenally well. Many are making out like bandits during the pandemic. You know what? You are gonna have to pay your fair share of taxes so we don't have people sleeping out on the streets and kids who are going hungry. And I think the American people do support that. I always wanted to know on a personal note, because I, I'm conflicted as a human being, and I, I wonder if Bernie Sanders is too. Do you buy stuff off of Amazon and from Apple? Where does Bernie get his, just his supplies from? If you need like socks or random things, where do you get them from? We, I am not, you know, my family is not too big into Amazon and stuff. I'm not saying we haven't. Uh, uh, you know, mostly we go to, to local stores. Do I have an iPad, an Apple iPad? I sure do. It's a very good product. But, you know, in, into that regard, what you're looking at are very large technology companies that control an enormous percentage of the market. And I think we've got to take a hard look about the need to break them up because we're having such concentration of control in industry after industry. Let's talk about the future of the Democratic Party. As you say, and you know, many people hope that you are speaking the future into, you know, into existence. Donald Trump loses the election. There is now the jubilation of the possibility of a new world. But, uh, you know, as a South African, I know this better than anyone, the hard work now begins. Where do you think America needs to start? Like if you just said, this is the beginning of where America needs to start and it might be the hardest thing to do, what needs to happen in America? I think there are two things that we have to do. It's what we call inside-outside politics. The outside politics is we have to continue to mobilize working people to stand up for their rights. Because as you well know, coming from South Africa, nobody gave the people of South Africa freedom. They had to fight and struggle for it, and many died in that effort. So we need to mobilize the American people to stand up and say, we want economic justice, social justice, racial justice, environmental justice. We want a just society. So that's the outside strategy, putting pressure on government when millions of people stand up and fight. Inside strategy is we need an agenda. You can't be yelling and screaming unless you know what you want to do. And, you know, we'll be arguing about that agenda, but I have a pretty good sense of what it's about. It is what the working families of this country desperately need. Look, there's something wrong when in almost the last 50 years, the average American worker, in terms of inflation accounted for dollars, hasn't seen a nickel increase in his or her wages, despite a huge increase in product productivity. So all you got to do is sit down and say, okay, what do working families need? We need to guarantee that when so much work has to be done in America, rebuilding our infrastructure, 
childcare, education, healthcare, climate change, God knows, millions and millions of jobs, guaranteed jobs to all people at a decent wage. Healthcare is a human right. Education is a human right. Tell the billionaire class they're gonna start paying their fair share of taxes. Let me leave you with this question. Bernie Sanders is in many ways a paradox. You lead a huge movement that is largely made up of young people. Uh, some of your biggest allies in Congress are the youngest, freshest faces in politics that we've seen. And yet you are what many people would term, I wouldn't, an old man. Some people would say you are an old man. I would love to know how that came to be because many people say the older you get, inevitably the more conservative you become and the country has been divided politically by age. So what is it about Bernie Sanders that makes him connect to so many young people? And the follow-up to that is, what would your advice for young people be in changing the future of this country? Okay, let me start with your second question, then we'll get to your first. The first point I have to make to young people is I know that many of you think politics is bullshit and you don't vote, and you don't care. Please, please, for this election, you must, must come out and vote. This is the future of America. It's the future of your lives. It's whether we're gonna be a democracy, whether you're gonna have decent paying jobs, whether we're gonna protect the environment and, and, and combat climate change for your kids, not for yourself, but for your kids and your grandchildren. Look at what's happening in California right now as a result of climate change. It's only gonna get worse. And this guy in the White House today, he hasn't a clue. He's on the wrong side of everything. You must vote. And if your friends tell you that you're dumb, why are you getting involved, look them in the eye and tell them that you believe in democracy, you believe in justice, and you want to see a better America. Okay, that's number one. Number two, on a personal level, I have found, uh, Trevor, that uh, it's an amazing thing because your point is right. I find myself closer emotionally to many of the younger people who are coming into Congress, people like Alexandria or Rashida or Ilhan and many others. Uh, and, and despite the fact that we not only have an age difference, we come from different places. You know, uh, Ilhan grew up in Somalia. Uh, Alexandria's family is Puerto Rican. Rashida is Palestinian. But we share a common deep belief uh, in democracy and in justice. And they are real people. They are authentic. And I find myself feeling very comfortable around real people, not phonies. And they are real people. Senator Bernie Sanders, thank you so much for taking your time and uh, good luck out there on the trail. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, Senator Sanders. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, there are a lot of groups out there right now who are working to protect and advance voting rights for the elections in November. Now, one of them is the Alliance for Youth Organizing, which is a national network of local-led youth organizations who are mobilizing people to vote. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and if you still want to build Trump's wall, all you got to do is Venmo me. Yeah, this time, it's legit. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. <laughs> <laughs>